Hey, this is Pastor Adam. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Uh, the sermon this morning came from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. And it's a follow-up from last week's sermon about Thanksgiving, about how blessed we are. And this week is continuing that statement of blessed to be a blessing. And so we're talking about uh, how it is that God wants us and enables us to be a blessing to others through generosity and through giving. And the stressful moment, which shouldn't be stressful, because it always works. I invite you to turn with me this morning to Paul's second epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 9. And as you are finding your place there in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, David's already mentioned it, and there's already been a little bit of talk about it. Next week is the beginning of Advent. And if you've never experienced uh, Advent here at Faith, we want to encourage you to make it a priority to be here those first four Sundays prior to Christmas Day. We always have an incredible season of Advent as we prepare for Christmas, uh, and as we begin a new church calendar, um, and as we prepare ourselves for our Lord to come again, Advent simply means coming. It's Latin, and it's about the coming of Christ, and so it's got that kind of dual-natured um, symbolism in the, in, the, in the name Advent, the coming of Christ at Christmas, but also His coming again to receive His own uh, and to find a church that's prepared for Him. Uh, there's some information up here on the screen uh, it begins next Sunday. Obviously, bring friends with you. It's a great time to invite guests. Uh, friends often are willing to come around Christmas time, around Easter uh, time. And so, uh, so invite friends to come with you. And also, we showed, uh, you saw some, some of you were wearing, uh, t-shirts last week, heaven and earth t-shirts with this image up there. Uh, we actually ordered those from Big Frog there on Dallas Highway. We gave David one as a gift last week because he's such an incredible lay leader and he's let me borrow an awesome book. Um, but if you're interested in, in, uh, in ordering t-shirts, please let me know and we'll, we'll try to get together a bulk order. They can turn those things around in 24 hours. And so if you're interested in getting, getting a t-shirt, please, please, please let me know. But if you'd rather get other swag, you know, we hardly ever, I don't think I've ever used the term swag at church. Um, but you can actually go into Big Frog and say, hey, I want the Faith Methodist Advent image on coffee mugs, on bumper stickers, on hats. You can get trucker hats with, with that. You can get bags, all sorts of stuff there. They've got that image on file, and they can print it out for you and probably have it to you within 24 hours if you want to do that yourself. But if you're just wanting a T-shirt like the one you saw last week, Heather Gray T-shirt with Heaven and Earth and our website on it, um, then please, please let me know, and I'll send a harassing email to you probably tomorrow uh, letting you know about all this again and asking, hey, if you want one, reply back, and we'll we'll get those ordered. Also, uh, we've got the webpage. Uh, it has, a, it has a, um, a, a menu item or a page within it, uh, faithmethodchurch.org slash advent. There's already information on there about advent. It's got videos you can watch, uh, articles you can read, 
uh, links to books that, that I would recommend, Lindsay would recommend for you to purchase, family devotional resources. Most of what's on there is free stuff available to you just by clicking and downloading and that sort of thing. Uh, but also there's some information on there so you can tell your friends to check out our website if they're interested in coming to visit us for Advent. Any, I feel like I ought to ask for questions. Any questions before we move on? All right. Hopefully, that has bought you enough time to find 2 Corinthians chapter 9. <clears throat> and Rick knows that I am so excited about Advent. I'm like, I'm like a dog who knows that mom and dad came home with a box of treats and I haven't gotten them yet. And I'm, I'm like just running around the house. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we'll be reading at verse 6 and reading through verse 15. The word of our Lord from the Apostle Paul in the epistle to the Corinthians, the second epistle. And this I declare, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, He has dispersed abroad, He has given to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. Now may He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry, that is the ministry of giving, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ for your liberal sharing with them and all men. And by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be to God for He, for His indescribable gift. Father, we pray that You would bless the reading of Your Holy Word. We pray that You would help us to be hearers of Your Word and doers of Your Word as well. Lord, open our ears and help us to hear what You have for us this morning. And Lord, we pray that You would uh, open the totality of our lives so that we might respond accordingly and fittingly. And we pray all this in the name of Your Son, Jesus. Holy Spirit, would You move among us? We pray thanking You for Your goodness. Amen. You know, there's a world of difference between being a reservoir and being a river. Growing up in Mississippi, I remember the Ross Barnett Reservoir, and I always thought it was amazing because it was like we had this big old ocean right there in the middle of the Jackson, Mississippi area. Uh, it went um, water skiing, kneeboarding, tubing every once in a while out on, on that uh, big old reservoir. Uh, did spend a few days fishing. I wasn't much of a fisherman. I, I like it I just don't do it much. So if you're a fisherman, invite me. I'd love to come along. I just don't get a chance to do it much. And I never really have. But um, 
I remember growing up at the reservoir, or near the reservoir, and every time we drove across the spillway, I was always mesmerized by just how pristine the water was. Um, although I remember there were always bugs everywhere. Lindsay can attest this. When she lived in Mississippi uh, for, for three years, uh, we would cross Spillway Road, which still gives her panics because it's very long because you're crossing the, the, the reservoir and it's, it's big. Um, it's good size. Um, bugs are just dying all over your windshield, and it, it sounds like rhythmic drumming. It's just, it's really disgusting. Um, but I always thought that the reservoir was gorgeous. It looked pretty, but it was filled with all of these bugs. Because one of the things about a reservoir, they had, they had the spillway where they could kind of let the water run out and then, you know, they'd fill it back up to try to keep it all clean. Because if you're not moving the water in a standing body like that, what's going to happen? It's going to go stagnant. It's going to be filled with death and rot. A river is different. A river is what the New Testament refers to as living water. It's water that's moving. It's water that's filled with life. It's teeming. Not just that there's life in it, because obviously in a reservoir you can have catfish and bass and brim and all sorts of stuff. Snakes too. I hate those things. Um, but, but a river, the water itself is lively. It's alive. It's moving. It's not stagnant. It's not rotting. I mentioned last week that you were made for blessing. And that's a pretty bold statement. I'm not like a prosperity gospel preacher or anything like that. But I I didn't make that statement that you were made for blessing. You were created by God in His image to be the object of His love and the object of His blessing. His blessing isn't always health and wealth. His greatest blessing is to know Him and to love Him. But you, no doubt, were made for blessing. But let me be clear this morning. You were made for blessing so that you might become a blessing to others. That's how it works. God blesses us to be blessings. He enriches our lives so that the lives of others might be enriched. Hold on to what you have. And it rots and it rots your heart and soul in the process of decay because you were made not to be a reservoir of His blessing, but a river of His blessing, a conduit of His grace, of His gifts into the lives of others. Blessings that are not shared become stagnant and toxic. They rot us. In the image of God, you were made not just to be the recipient of His blessing, but to be a conduit of that blessing to others. And this is one of the reasons why it's so important for us to get to the place in life where we can truly celebrate with others God's blessing in their lives just as much as we celebrate when He blesses our lives. Seriously, when's the last time you truly celebrated someone's new, much-needed job? I mean, got excited about it. When's the last time you celebrated someone else's raise? Someone else's promotion? When's the last time you celebrated someone's answered prayer to a 
to a serious medical concern, a worry, a fear that was conquered? When's the last time you jumped for joy and laughed in, in, in joy over someone getting engaged to be married or finding out that they're expecting a child? See, those are blessings that we enjoy when they come to us. But it's, it, it, we are truly blessed by God and we are truly filled with His grace in our lives when we get to the point where we can celebrate just as much His blessing in someone else's life. And that's hard to do because we are, we are told, I would say, I'm going to say it, every hour of every day. If you're connected to your phone, which most of us, there's not an hour of the day that passes by when we're awake where we don't touch that phone, typically to check out some social media. Every hour of every day, we are being told that we are in competition, that we are competing for the best cars, the biggest houses, the nicest front lawns, everything. The nicest outfit, looking better in the outfit than somebody else. We were blessed though, not just to enjoy those blessings, but to, but to share those blessings with other people. Um, I, I've mentioned now twice that I've been reading this book that David loaned to me, Malchus's ear. And again, uh, I don't, I don't have, I don't own stock in Francis Asbury Society. David, I don't think they're trading in stock, but, um, uh, if I did, I'd probably be a wealthy man if I owned stock in them. But, uh, so if you haven't checked out the book, check out the book. It's an incredible read. But Cricket Albertson, the editor, Dr. Kinlaw's granddaughter, she tells the story of being in college and walking into the house one day, her grandma and grandpa's house, and just kind of stumbling in on a, a, a party, an impromptu party, and they're celebrating, and she has no clue what they're celebrating. And come to find out, her grandfather's just hung up the phone. They've been praying for finances to come in for some international students from, I believe, Asia and Eastern Europe to be able to come and to be educated so that they might go home and win their communities for the gospel. And he's just gotten a call from a donor who's, who's given an inordinately large amount that's going to cover all of that. And Dr. Kinlaw and Mrs. Kinlaw are celebrating and are excited and laughing and shouting. And she joins in with them. And I thought, you know, that's incredible. That wasn't a blessing to Dr. Kinlaw. That wasn't a blessing to Miss Elsie. That wasn't a blessing to Cricket. But they found it to be a blessing to them because they were so thrilled that God was blessing others through the ministry and through the charitable giving and the generosity and the means of grace of others. And that's what Paul's talking about here in this text. He uses all of this interpersonal language when talking about how God blesses you to be a blessing so that others might be blessed, so that others might be, give thanksgiving for how good you've get, been, and you ought to give thanksgiving. You've got all these kind of woven webs of relationships together, all centered around this idea of being blessed in order to be a blessing. You know, giving... Oh, I missed a slide there. Bill, I'll give you a moment. I'll stall for a second. I know Bill's always writing them down. Um, again, yes, you were, you were made to be a river of blessing, not a reservoir of blessing. You know, giving is the most foundational way that we share the blessings of God with others. 
Sure, there are creative and unconventional ways that we give of ourselves, but none of these can or will replace the clear biblical mandate to give financially to the Lord's work in and through the local church home. That wasn't enough time. All right, come on, Bill. River, not reservoir. We can give of ourselves, but the Bible is quite clear that we must give of our resources, not just our time and not just our talents, but even of our treasure. And there's no getting around that. There really isn't any getting around it. In fact, the call to give financially to the Lord's work is even more demanding in the New Testament than it is in the Old Testament. Some of us think, oh, tithing, that's an Old Testament principle. You know, giving a a sacrificial tenth of all that I earn, that's done away with by the gospel. But remember, Christ said He came to fulfill the law, not to repeal it. And also, the Apostle Paul here, when he calls for the Corinthians to give out of their generosity, he's talking about even beyond a tithe. These are people that are already giving a tenth of all that they earn to the Lord's work in their local church. And he's calling them to give beyond that above and beyond that, for the sake of others around the Roman world who are in need. The New Testament calls for even more. It's even more demanding upon our lives than even the Old Testament. In fact, giving and tithing, um, it's unmistakably tied to our growth as disciples in the New Testament. It's an easy way to... It it doesn't show the whole picture, but it shows part of the picture. It's one stat in our lives. If you like sports analogies, it's one stat in our lives to show the progress that we're making as disciples of Jesus. The fact is that tithes and offerings that we give to the Lord's work, they are sacrifices of worship. That's why all throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, they're they're pictured as... they're, they're they use that metaphor of sacrifice when they talk about tithes and offerings. They are an act of worship in the body. They're not add-ons for those of us who have more than somebody else. They're not something special for those who are specially enriched in their lives. They are expectations that God has of all of us because we have all been richly blessed. I hate, um, I hate appealing to the um, the um, the lack of others to show how richly blessed we are, but sometimes it's helpful. Lindsay was looking up what's going on in Haiti yesterday because you know you guys know that I teach periodically for uh, the seminary down in Haiti. Um, they've been going through a, a period of political unrest, rioting. People have been killed in the streets. I mean, it's been crazy um down there they had to cancel classes this past week and everybody's just kind of staying indoors but we were reminded just last night that that just about every every person that lives in the country of Haiti lives on less than $2 per day and that's compared to the Dominican Republic which is six times more than that and that's still in extreme poverty compared to what we enjoy God has so richly blessed us, and we ought not be ashamed of that. We ought to see that as His, as His blessing, so that we might be a blessing then to others. Not, not misers and, you know, kind of 
Uncle Scrooge McDucks who, who hoard everything and, and see it all as, as ours because that type of life is toxic and it rots us from the inside out. But we've all been richly and sacrificially blessed directly by the hand of the Lord Himself. In fact, every single blessing we enjoy, even every dime that we make in life, it is from Him. It is His gift to us, ultimately. So let's, let's think about, just real quickly, what are some reasons that we typically don't give to the Lord's work? And we'll just kind of clear the air with that. Um, you, you might have said before, I have better things to do with my money. And you may not have said that, but maybe your life has said that. You know, we're too busy having fun, living the good life. Perhaps we hope to ease our consciences a little bit by doing some charitable good deed or maybe dropping a little bit in the, uh, in the bell ringers, uh, buckets on the way out of the store. And I, I try to teach our kids to do that every opportunity they have. But that does not replace giving to the Lord's work in the local church. The fact is the majority of us, um, the majority of, of Americans, I say us as in our culture, the majority of Americans who call themselves Christians, who don't give sacrificially to the Lord's work in their local church, most of them are, are just are living it up. Their lives say, hey, I have better things to do with my money. Some of us, probably most folks living in our culture, could easily say, I'm already overextended and highly stressed. I can't see how I can make my budget work taking a portion of my money out off of the top and giving it away. The Apostle Paul insists that God is able to meet our needs when we give. Paul ties it to giving. Just like in the Old Testament, the prophet Malachi, God ties His provision for us directly to our generosity with what He provides. Paul, in fact, says, you've already been enriched in everything for, and he used a word that's kind of uncommon in the New Testament, for liberality. In other words, charitableness and generosity to give freely and abundantly so that others, Paul says, might give thanks. Yes, it'll take discipline in our lives. It'll take self-control, maybe even self-denial, abstaining from you know, eating out four times a week. It'll take a little bit of control in our lives, but every last one of us can get to the place where we're not overextended and when we're not so highly stressed so that we can give to the Lord's work. I think um, in our small group about um, about finances that I, that I walked through with Bill and several in our congregation about a year ago, one of the things he said was, if you tell me that you can't give to the Lord's work, let me see your budget. I can tell you how you can give to the Lord's work probably in 15 minutes. And that's probably true of each one of us. The way we live our lives in overabundance, we can get to the point where we have opportunity to give. One of the things I wanted to, to do this morning, since we're talking about such a kind of 
intimate subject, which we don't normally talk about as a church. I wanted to be generous and give a gift to you this morning. David, will you help me? These two boxes here are filled with books. If you'll make sure that each family gets a copy of these books. Um, these are books to, to walk you through how you can recognize how blessed you are and also start making steps toward being a blessing to others. One of the things that uh, that the author specifically deals with is that sense of being overstretched and overstressed and overburdened in life when it comes to finances. Maybe you've thought before, hey, I'm not giving to them. There's no telling how those folks will spend it. That's that's honestly a concern that some people have is if I give to the if I give to my local church, what are they going to do with it? How are they going to use it? I might not approve of it. Interestingly, though, we'll do the same when it comes to taxes. You know, we'll give taxes even though we don't support probably 90%, right, Banks? Probably 99%, maybe 99%. There you go. He's saying higher, higher. Uh, we'll still pay our taxes because, you know, we don't want our doors getting kicked in in the dark of night. Well, God's not going to kick in your door, but God does promise the opposite. If we will give sacrificially, to His work, He will bless us beyond our imaginations. And that's not some get-rich scheme. That's not some bait-and-switch where God says, hey, you know, send me this and, and, and I'm going to give you ten times that. That's, that's not uh, what God's into. What He is into is people who lovingly trust Him and want to see His grace in the lives of others and want to see His work being done. Paul says very plainly that giving is the fruit of righteousness in our lives. The fruit of righteousness born out in our lives, Paul ties to our generosity in giving. In the end, when it all boils down, there are really only two reasons that we don't give to the Lord's work. We just simply don't want to, or we just simply don't want to enough. We're not willing to make the sacrifices. We're not willing to get the second job. We're not willing to turn off the cable. We're not willing to get a cheaper phone plan because we've been with this carrier for the last nine years. We're not willing to change up our lives so that we might be more generous. In fact, one of the things that, that we often do when we try to bargain with God is, Lord, if you would give me that raise, if you would give me that promotion, then I'll start giving. It won't happen. I remember Pastor Lane used to always say, nobody ever did anything tomorrow. You either do it today or it doesn't get done. And when it comes to generously giving... We can always say, if I had more money, if I had more income, if I had less debt, if, 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 if I had all these things in order, then maybe I could start giving. And it typically does not happen. You know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he talked about cheap grace. This idea of wanting heaven without discipleship. Of wanting a resurrection and an empty tomb without a cross of wanting the, the benefits of God's grace in our lives, but not any of the self-denial, not any of the sacrifice that comes along with it. No cross to bear. And we can 
theologically and doctrinally rail against that doctrine of cheap grace, but so often we live there ourselves. We are satisfied far too easily. In fact, Jesus is calling to be His disciples, He promises us, will cost us everything. In the Gospels, Jesus says more about money than He says about any other single topic. Because He apparently recognized that money is the key to our hearts. And it's also the tale of our priorities. So how does the Apostle Paul want us to give to the Lord's work? He wants us to give in at least these seven adverbial ways. You could maybe say more, but he wants us to give generously out of our abundance. He even begins the passage by, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. But if you sow generously or bountifully, then you'll reap generously or bountifully. He wants us to give generously, not as an, oblig- as an obligation, not as a, 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 a drudgery. He wants us to give generously and He wants us to give cheerfully, out of joy, out of gladness for how God has richly blessed us. He wants us to give worshipfully, You know, for seven years, our congregation never even passed a plate because we didn't want to be pushy. We didn't want to be weird. We didn't want folks to feel, you know, to feel left out or or anything like that. And so it was interesting. We had somebody visit several years ago and after visiting for a few weeks, uh, asked a question, pulled somebody aside and said, how do I give to this church if I want to give to this church? Because we didn't pass a plate. One of the things that we've started doing since we do pass the plate now is we involve it in our worship. We sing the doxology not just because it's cool and it's old, but because our giving to the Lord's work truly is a, a lifting up of praise to God from whom all blessings flow. We hardly ever talk about giving as a church. We hardly ever, you hardly ever hear the word tithe mentioned. Typically it's around budgeting and things like that. But one of the reasons why is we don't want to be the church that's always trying to grab and get or, you know, fill the coffers or build big building or anything like that. But giving is a part of how we worship the Lord. And it is a, it is a, an important and fundamental part about how we grow as disciples. The Apostle Paul wants us to give also preparedly. If you, uh, if you read the verses just prior, uh, to the passage we read here in chapter nine, then you'll find that Paul's talking about not wanting to spring giving on them. He says, Hey, I'm giving you heads up so that you can get your affairs in order and get ready and know how much you're wanting to give. One of the things that we ought to, to include in our lives of giving to the Lord's work is being prepared to do it. Coming ready, not just scrambling, but thinking ahead. How much can I give? How much would the Lord be be pleased with me giving? And that takes being intentional. And Paul wants us to give intentionally. 
If you look in chapter 16 of 2 Corinthians, there's a few verses where Paul again brings up this, this collection, this offering that they are, that, that they're going to receive for believers throughout the Roman world in other parts of the Roman world. And one of the things that he calls them to is to give intentionally, but also to give faithfully. He gives them specific instructions. He says, look, here's what I'm looking for. On the first day of the week, think about how much it is you're going to give. Give cheerfully, give worshipfully, give generously, give preparedly, give intentionally, but give faithfully. And it's interesting that he uses that that um, that concept of the first of the week. He does it for a couple of reasons. One is that that was the Lord's Day. That was the day of the resurrection, the day that the early church was gathering to worship. But the other interesting thing about that is in first century Palestine and in first century in the first century Roman world world, workers would typically receive their wages on the last day of the week. And so that first day of the week Paul is appealing to is bringing to their minds the idea that you have received from the Lord and now you sacrificially give back to His work in the world. He calls them also to give sacrificially. The question ought to be not how much must I give, but how much can I give? We don't want God's thought about us to be, what must I do for Him? We want His thought about us to be, what can I do for Him? How richly can I bless Him? Dr. Kinlaw, one of the things that he says is that God never asked anything out of you or me that He has not done for us beforehand. And when we give to the Lord's work, He wants us to give trustingly, knowing that He is able to meet our needs, knowing that He has already provided everything that we have, everything that we own, everything that we enjoy in life, and He calls us to trustingly give to His work in the lives of others. Dr. Spam used to say, you can't out-give God. I'm sure he's still saying it. You can't out-give God. So a question that we ought to ask ourselves is, am I currently giving to the Lord's work now more than I ever have? In fact, that's a pretty fun way to to approach giving. I say fun. That's a pretty um, interesting, maybe self-amusing way to approach giving is to see it as a competition with your old self. What did I give last year? Am I giving more this year? What did I give last month? Can I give maybe a little bit more this month? We cannot outgive him, and all that we have is from his hand, anyways. And there's really only one issue concerning which the Lord invites us, urges us, dares us even to test him, and that is his blessing on our finances when we tithe and when we give sacrificially to his work. So why would we give to the Lord's work? Obviously, we've already danced around that topic a little bit, but I want to address three specific things with regard to why we would give to the Lord's work. First is the nature of grace. 
The nature of grace demands giving. Um, in the, in the, the ancient Greek world, the, the picture of grace was three maidens that are reciprocally, reciprocally receiving and giving. There is a gift that is given well, that gift which is received well, and then that gift which is then shared. That's how grace works. It works by necessity as a river, not a reservoir. It is something that is poured into our lives so that it might then be shared with others. And grace is not just God's favor. It is His blessing on our lives. His gifts to us. You've been blessed to be a blessing. But we give to the Lord's work also because of the character of God. He is always giving and giving and giving. Generosity makes us more like Him. It sharpens His image in us. Discipleship is all about becoming more like Jesus, about following Him where He leads, and He always gives and gives and gives. And the work of the kingdom can't be done without it. We can do nothing as a church locally and as a church worldwide. We can do nothing without the generosity of those who give to the Lord's work. Seriously, nothing. There's no gathering together for worship. There's no meeting in small groups. There's no coffee and tea and cocoa. There's no ministry to kids at Devereaux. There's no delivery of meals to the elderly. There's no new guests, no returning guests. There's none of that. None of what we celebrated last week when we talked about how richly God has blessed us. None of that happens without the generosity of you and me as we give to the Lord's work. I remember a pastor who, um, who I used to be around. Um, he once said, money's not the most important thing in life, but it's right up there with breathing. And I was amused when I heard that. I thought, you know what? That's true. You can't do anything without it. You can't put food on the table. You can't fill up the pantry, the refrigerator. You can't stock the deep freeze. You can't get that turkey that you're going to smoke for Thanksgiving. You can't even do ministry without money, without generosity. I remember growing up at Riverside, there were a couple of... Um, as I was preparing this message, there were a couple of nominal Christians. I say nominal Christians. They were Christians really in name only. The fruits of righteousness were not really seen in their lives all that much. Um, and I say that, I know that sounds very judgmental. I'm just telling you, just telling you like I saw it as, as a kid and then a teenager and whatnot. You start to pick up on personalities of people and who's this and who's that and that sort of thing. Who you want to be around, who you hope speaks up at a board meeting, things like that. Um, I remember there was, there was a cantankerous old penny pincher and, um, you know, he was a miser. He was, he was a guy who, he probably wasn't the wealthiest guy in the congregation, but he had done pretty well in life and he was a penny pincher and he was, he was the type of guy who was almost an immediate nay vote when it came to anything spending, except for 
repairing the roof in the church or getting some new sheetrock or that sort of thing. Something that, that dealt with the building, okay. But if, if we're talking about generosity outside the, the walls of the church, well, why do we need to spend that? Well, why do we got to do that? But he tithed habitually. I know this. I never saw his checks or anything, but I know the type of person he was. He, he was a straight-laced, disciplined, hard worker, critical thinker. He tithed habitually. But he was a miser. And I remember also a more youthful guy. He was kind of hip. He had the blonde hair that was kind of windblown. And I always thought he was a really cool guy, dressed really sharp and whatnot. He had some young kids, and they were gorgeous kids, younger than I was. Um, He was a very cheerful guy to be around. And I remember about him that he was the type who just kind of very sparingly gave. He was the type that would tip God. You know, maybe drop a 20 in the plate every few weeks or so. You know, we're always in our lives. We're always trying to figure out which of these two is better. Is it better to be disciplined but stingy? Disciplined but cantankerous? Disciplined but not fun to be around? Or is it better to be carefree and enjoyable and likable and yet not very disciplined when it comes to our generosity? Better to be a whole disciple, a whole person, than just the top half or the bottom half. When we're living half-gracious lives, lives that are filled with God's blessing and yet aren't conduits of His blessing into the lives of others. We're living stale and stagnant and rotting lives. But we too easily settle for far too much mediocrity in ourselves. The example of Christ, the sacrifice of the cross, is anything but mediocre. Mediocrity kills. Be extravagant. God has blessed us extravagantly. Beyond belief. And He asks us, will we go the way of the cross? Will we go the way of the communion table that is set before us that reminds us that He gave His very own life to bless us so that we might be a blessing then to others. A blessing to others by the ministry that we do, by the sharing of the gospel with others, and by the generosity of our lives so that His kingdom might come on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for how good You have been to us You have been so faithful. You have been so generous. And Lord, we pray that You would help us to surrender our lives, surrender who we are and what we have to You so that Your blessings 
might not just be enjoyed by us, but they might be joyfully received and joyfully shared so that others might know your blessings as well. Lord, we pray that you would move among us, that you would prepare our hearts to feast at your table, that as we go later, that you might send us filled with your goodness so that we might share your bountiful goodness with others. And we pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Please, if you have one, take your bulletins and follow along with us for the Liturgy of Communion. Uh, When we get to the bold portions, if you'll please read with us, we'd be greatly appreciative. The Apostle John declared, If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He Himself is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. All who truly and earnestly repent of your sins are in love and charity with your neighbors and intend to lead a new life following the commandments of God and walking from henceforth in His holy ways. Let us bow and humbly confess our sins to our Heavenly Father. Almighty and ever-merciful Father, we have gone wrong and have strayed from Your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the ways and wants of our own hearts, and we have broken Your covenant. We have failed to do what we ought to have done, and we have done things we ought not to have done. O Lord, have mercy on us. Spare us as we confess our faults, And restore us as we repent from our sins, according to your promises to us in your Son, Christ Jesus our Lord. For his sake, enable us to live a godly, righteous, and honorable life to the glory of your holy name. Almighty God, before whom all hearts are open, to whom all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may fully love you and may rightly honor your holy name through Christ our Lord. Holy, 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 Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Amen. The Lord, who is faithful and just, promises to forgive those who confess their sins and purify his children from all unrighteousness. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Father, sanctify these gifts by Your Holy Spirit to be for us, Your people, the body and blood of Your Son, the holy food and drink of new and unending life in Him. Sanctify us also so that we may faithfully receive this sacrament and may serve You in unity, constancy, and peace. And at the last day, bring us with all of your saints into the joy of your eternal kingdom. Amen. Let us together proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Amen.
Let's pray. Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, as we worship You, we surrender ourselves to You. You created us in Your very own image. and You've made us to know You and to love You. You have made us for Yourself, and You are the delight of our hearts. We love You. As we prepare for the seasons and holy days ahead of us, we thank You for Your many blessings. Your faithfulness to us and to the world You have made is relentless and restless. Thank You for loving us so passionately and for caring for us so perfectly. As we gather together as Your people this morning and worship You in the name of Your dear Son, Jesus, we rejoice in the gladdening presence of Your Holy Spirit. Thank You for being with us. Thank You for welcoming us into Your house and inviting us to feast at Your table. Your goodness to us, O Lord, has been unwavering. Please help us to share Your goodness with others by the way that we give sacrificially of ourselves and of our means. Please help us to do so humbly, gladly, and faithfully so that the work of Your kingdom might be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, You are lovely. You are filled with glory and beauty. And we love You. Lord, we thank You for how blessed we are. We thank You for this season of thanksgiving where we've been able to reflect upon how good You've been to us and our many blessings. Lord, You know each one. We thank You especially for family and friends and how You've richly blessed us through those. Lord, we lift up our needs to You, and we think especially of Billy this morning as she's sick. Pray that You would be with her, be with Jeremy and the boys, and watch over them. Encourage them, help them to know that we miss them and love them and are praying for them. Lord, we pray that You would help Billy to get well quickly. Almighty and everlasting God, we know that it is Your will to restore all things in Your dear Son, Jesus the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So in Your mercy, please enable all the peoples of the earth, divided and enslaved by sin as they are, to be freed and brought together under Your Son's most gracious rule. In the name of Him who lives and reigns with You and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever, we pray. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. Go in the blessing of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Please check out our website at faithmethodistchurch.org.